Hey, Susan. Hi, Saji. So, another session of COPE. Another session. Are we coping? Oh, fair. Fair? All right. <laughs> well, it's early in the year, so yes. we better be doing real well. I feel like i got to amp up the energy level a little bit here. All right, some coffee and do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what are we talking about today? Oh, what, what's our disclaimer? Oh, our disclaimer. So... The views and opinions of Saji Pillay and Susan Witten are our own views and opinions and in no way reflect the views and opinions of the TCU and UNT Health Science Center School of Medicine. Cool. Agree. Agree. All right. So what are we talking about? So today is, um, we're going to focus on uh, the second session of Phase 1 LIC. This is um, called Interviewing 102, um, Clinician-Centered Skills. I think we know how to do that. Isn't that what we do? We do it. Yeah. All day, every day, baby. Right. <laughs> right. So the focus being clinician-centered is this to emphasize what we should not be doing, or how does this fit? What do you mean by that? Well, I think it's it's a it's a portion of the interview. So the students have thoroughly practiced, and the preceptors out there, you've helped coach your your student with the introduction and with getting the personal and emotional context of the patient's concerns for the session. But, of course, sometimes we need to further characterize, uh, gain more data about those concerns. And so I think this portion is where we start to question and refine those concerns with questioning. Wow. Okay. So in clinical skills, uh, this week, what we did was the students got a chance to see both viewpoints. So using Smith's textbook, which is our great resource for this, um, we did a patient-centered interview to begin with, right? The introduction, you do patient-centered interview, then you go into the clinician-centered interview. So that's kind of the way that we all practice but the focus was to say okay when is the transition yes when do we go into a actual ask of the patient yes when do we say okay now you told us what you wanted to say now we're going to transition so this was an eye-opener for the students because they were able to delineate the two types of questioning. Yes. Um, and that was helpful because they understood that the patient-centered portion allowed the patient to express themselves and got a lot of their questions answered yes. before they even asked the focused question. Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was a great session with us in yeah. clinical skills. Yeah. So in, t- in focusing a little bit on those transitions, so what are some tips... If, if the preceptor were coaching a student to transition from that patient-centered to clinician-centered portion of the interview, what are, what are some tips on how they can do that transition? So a lot of our students, and probably all our students, are very observant, okay? So practicing it and showing them and coming back out of the room and saying, did you see that? Yeah. Uh, they are listening to everything you're saying. 
And so um, a lot of the discussion that we had was about our preceptors. And they're like, I saw how she did this. Oh, how did he do that? It was amazing how this happened. Yeah, so our debriefs in clinical skills are about their clinic experiences. So uh, when they mentioned those type of things, and they can say, yeah, she transitioned from here to there. And I noticed it. Why did they notice it? Because they want to. And they're learning that. Yes. if you guys can also focus in on that and be able to recognize that transition to them, um, I feel like they would. That would be the learning moment for them. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So um, we thought we would um, help uh, uh, our preceptor audience out by reviewing what are the session objectives for the student that you'll be seeing for um, this session. Okay. All right, so our session objective number one is demonstrate skills related to transitioning of out of a patient-centered portion of the interview while maintaining rapport and continuing observation. Exactly. And so some specific things that you can listen for would be, can the student summarize all of the concerns of the patient or briefly summarize those concerns? Um, they can check in with the patient. Did they get it right? Um, and then they can um, then ask the patient, are they ready for some, some questions um, now from the provider or the physician or the student? Yeah, it's almost like taking permission. Yes. Hey, we're about to now focus in on your complaint. Yes, and yeah. be deliberate about that transition. Right. Number two um, would be demonstrate skills related to taking a history of present illness and further defining symptoms. Yeah, so this is when we get into the OPPQRST, and honestly, you don't have to memorize it that way, and we all have our own ways of doing it, but do we know what we're asking is, you know, what is the intensity, the duration, the onset, you know, severity, aggravating, relieving factors, all those related to the symptom itself, I think that's what they have to memorize. It takes time um, and they will have their own way of remembering it. It may be something you taught them or the way they read it from the book. Yes. Yeah. And they have a, they'll have an interviewing checklist and I'll include this in the email that corresponds to this podcast. But so you'll see what, uh, what aids or prompts they're getting to further refine symptoms. But we recognize everybody has slightly different variations on how to understand more about presenting symptoms. All right, number three. Demonstrate skills related to gathering past medical history, family history, social history, and review systems. Uh, So what that means is they're going to actually do that for the first time. They did that in session two here at Clinical Skills. We developed a method which each student in a group was that past medical surgical family review systems um, and then they reported out the same way after interviewing one patient or standardized patient. It was interesting because what they learned through this is listening. So when they listened to the person who was doing the HPI and went to past medical, if it was mentioned in the HPI they had hypertension, they should not ask it again as a past medical history, but then what else do you have? What other concerns? So it was it was a relationship. So all of this was a continuous section. Nice. Yeah. Okay. 
And then finally, the fourth objective um, for the student, which you'll see on set, is to document a complete history for at least one patient in a clinical note. And we're after uh, we speak a little bit more about the preceptor-specific objectives, we're going to talk a bit more about uh, strategies for this first documentation assignment or um, task for the session. Yeah, that's exciting. They get to write some, some something down. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, so moving on, um, so now we just want to hone into preceptor objectives. What are things that we think you can do to help the student accomplish the objectives for the session? So, number one. Coach students on how to further refine and understand symptoms by determining onset and chronology position, precipitating factors, quality, quantification, radiation-related symptoms, setting, and transforming, also known as alleviating, aggravating factors as indicated. Oh, so that's a mouthful. (laughs) So I just, again, um, I think everybody has their own way to refine symptoms. So that those are some of the ways that the students uh, have been thinking about these these symptoms. Number two help the student apply strategies to gather and refine and review important information which are the past medical family social and review systems when time is limited and here i think you as the preceptor group really have a wonderful opportunity to help the student appreciate nuance so if you're in an outpatient clinical setting i think that and and you're using an emr you can tell them how you will review these items which are often available for you, what, how you check in to correct, to check in for accuracy or update, or if it's a brand new patient, of course, how you enter the data. But I think um, not acknowledging time constraints when, when you're doing data gathering, history gathering, you know, would not be really um, um, functioning in the, in the, the reality of the environment. So I, re- I think having a nice discussion about how you do this data gathering in a time-limited setting, and then briefly you can acknowledge how I get a history is probably going to be different. You know, for me and my clinic at Stop 6, it's going to be different than how Saji as a hospitalist is, is getting a history from a patient at the bedside in the ER or when they're up on the floor. Yeah, and then also you could probably remember is that here at Clinical Skills, they only have 15 minutes to do all of this. So they're already time constrained, um, and you all probably have some kind of experience of having a resident or an intern who took an hour and a half to do a history. <laughs> I, I took, the first time I did, it took like three hours, me and my partner. Right. <laughs> so. So, so, I mean, the reality is when they go for their OSCE and when they have their exams here, it's going to be 15 minutes. So they need to kind of learn how to do that. Yes, that's great yeah. to know. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we'd like for you to review and assess the student documentation of a complete history. So getting documenting in some fashion, a chief concern, a history of present illness, and then past medical, family history, social history, and review of systems for at least one patient in a clinical note per site protocol. Okay, well, let's talk about that protocol. Totally. So um, so this is the first session where students will be practicing some documentation. And and truly, I just learned from my colleague here, uh, Dr. Pillay, that they're, they haven't even done this in clinical skills yet. So, mm. so really, this is the first time they'll be putting pen to paper, could be literally, or they could be typing um, a note in your EMR. 
So uh, the, the barriers to this, I think, to recognize is like if they're doing pen to paper, what do they do with that paper when they leave? They put it in the shredder. Yes. <laughs> so we have uh, explained to them what are the 18 HIPAA identifiers and that they need to be sure that they're not identifying in any transmission or taking with them. Um, and this has been clear to them. Shall we run through them? Sure. So these, the following are the 18 HIPAA identifiers um, that are considered, considered personally identifying information. And so if the student wants to take the documentation of the patient out of your clinic, for instance, they will have some documentation assignments in their learning management system. We call it Canvas. They will do, be doing some documentation based on uh, uh, patients they saw in clinical skills. Then they've been instructed to not include any of these uniquely identifying information uh, for the patient. So here they are, Saji. All right, name. Then address. To include all geographic subdivisions smaller than a state. All right. Then telephone number. Um, any element of date related to an individual. For example, no birth dates, no admission dates, no discharge dates, no date of deaths, and not even their exact age if they are over the age of 89. Yeah. That's random. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fax number. Email addresses. Social security number. No medical record numbers. Health plan benefit number. No account numbers. Certificate or licensing number. Please do not, do not include their vehicle identifiers or serial numbers. <laughs> Device identifiers and serial numbers. No web uh, URLs. IP address. No biometric identifiers like please do not include their fingerprint or voice print. No photo images? Yes, definitely. No pictures of the patients. And finally, any other unique identifying number, characteristic, or code. Okay. That includes your medical record number. Yes. Whatever you have with you. Yes. So key points, photo image. Even if you're taking a picture with your student, um, again, where are you going to post this? Not on social media, right? Oh, yes. And, and you're not going to take it in a hospital setting yes uh you're oh, not yeah. wanting the picture with your favorite patient yes with no. the student no no yeah i know it sounds hard but that's the that's the rule that's the rule and then name 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 like they're gonna write it in the name this is mrs whatever um just make sure when you're reading the paper that they're walking out with just search for all of this. Search for all of this in that documentation. Yes. And make sure there's no sticker or label that they're, they're leaving with either. Yes. So, you know, so, so some strategies for how to, how to approach this first documentation assignment. Again, you know, just recognize the first time they're going to make a stab at documenting. They'll be, they, have, they will have a format um, to use. So it might be, even though you have an EMR, it might be really reasonable for these first kind of practicing documentation. I think they're going to be practicing by writing and clinical skills. I think it's really reasonable just to, just to direct them to write something down. And then, of course, nothing is more deflating or demoralizing if they've taken the time to do this and you don't look at it. So please carve out some time in the debrief to review um, what they've attempted to document. Um, go easy on them. Again, they're just learning. So this is a developing skill. I know you will be easy on them or be uh, mindful of where they are developmentally. 
Um, so if you want them to document in your EMR, for instance, uh, JPS has a um, ability for medical students to document. Um, JPS's specific policy is you cannot take over the note uh, and use it as your own. Um, you can't do that until they're at least a, I think, second or third year student. So, so you, um, our system policy is not to use medical first year medical student documentation for any type of billing. Um, but, you know, if you want them to take a stab um, at documenting in your EMR, then, you know, certainly giving them parameters to do so and reviewing them is important. In terms of JPS, if they do generate a medical student note, you cannot attest it in the outpatient setting and it will disappear. It does, it does not include it as, as part of the formal documentation for that encounter. It's just good for JPS preceptors to know that. But again, please take the time to review it and debrief them. Awesome. So this was a, a, a good one. I think good session, a lot yeah. of good information. And you can review this again and again. So it's not too long to, to listen to in case you forget this. And I think this is going to be emailed to them, right? They yes. This, right? Yes. Yes. I'll include in the email the HIPAA identifying information and the template that they're going to be using in clinical skills and um, some pre-work, some, uh, some of the Smith um, references, things like that. So keep your questions coming. Um, please let me know if you're having any difficulty with set. Like for instance, I, I tried to enter some um, comments and, and I got kicked out. So if you are having some of those difficulties too, please let us know because we're just trying to make this as user-friendly as possible. Uh, and we want your feedback. We value your feedback. Yeah. And thank you for using, um, using it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. using. All right. And and on a side note, we did do an interview with the dean yeah. today, and it went really well. So it's if fun. you guys and he said great things about the LIC and preceptors. So if you want to get a shout out, just go ahead and watch it or listen to it. it it's really nice. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that concludes our information for interviewing one hundred and two. Um, thanks very much, and have a great week. Bye bye.